is not really a Sunday uh, celebrating um, a seminary, but, but the grace of God at, at work in, in the lives of, of, of these four men and, um, and through their wives, uh, those, who, those who are married. Um, and just to rejoice as a congregation. Um, you're looking at some, uh, some, some young men, and, and we don't know what, what lies ahead. They told us in the Sunday school hour what they hope to do. Uh, you heard there uh, some ideas of what they, what they hope to do, but, um, but we've invested in them. And, and, and all the fruit that, that comes, from their, comes from their lives, uh, you participate in, in, in some specific and, and unique way. Um, I can remember asking the question not long after Theta Lewis, the lady that was instrumental in leading me to the Lord, died. I remember just pondering this question, and, and frankly, at the moment, I don't remember the context, but but I just I wondered why the beam of seed of Christ after everything is is done after the the rapture of the church. You know, Theta dies. Why does it? She immediately go to her reward. Of course, she did, as far as heaven was concerned, in presence with the Lord. But but I mean, Paul said, "I fought the good fight." You know, he said, I've, I've finished, I've, I've run the race, I've finished the course, and, and now it's laid up for me. You know, why doesn't she get the what's laid up for me, like right now? I get to see Jesus, I get my reward, I get my crown, and then I can cast it right back at His feet immediately. And it's because, even as I stand before you this morning, uh, the rewards that Theta Lewis is, has attributed to her is, is still being, uh, being stored up. Um, and you should think that way when you think of, of, these, of these four men and, and others that, that we pour into as a congregation. Um, their rewards will follow after them, but you participate. In every person that God uses uh, Michael and, and Naomi to, to win to Christ in, in China, you participated in that, in their, in their training. And while I'm, I'm on Michael, I might add... Um, much to his probable embarrassment, that Michael Lowry was the number one student out of all 17 graduates out of all four campuses, had the highest GPA of every single one. Amen. I had another comment of, uh, of one of the, the professors that was, that was there um, he said, "Wow, just listening. Uh, I got to talk to a number of Timberlakers that were that were there at the service. Twenty, twenty-five of them. I don't, I don't know the exact number. And listening to where the guys want to go, there's a huge focus of, of, of missions. A lot of these people want to, you know, want to pour their lives out for for the cause of Christ in in missions. And I said, if if if, if you knew my church, you would totally understand why that is. That's the heartbeat of the." Of the congregation. So today, part of uh, part of what we're doing is celebrating what the Lord has done in our midst through raising these men up for the gospel, and part of it is reminding and charging them, and and part of it's reminding ourselves of why we why we focus on training and why we focus on preparing you know men for the for the ministry. And I think if you you know if you stand back and look at the New Testament. Um, and see the Lord's plan, big picture, it's, it's, it's amazing. I mean, you start in Matthew 16 where Jesus said, I will build my church. He came 
He's going he's gonna to do the work that, that, that he received the body to do. He's going to live the perfect life. He's going to lay his life down. And he makes that declaration. From that point forward, I will build my, my church. That's the, the beginning, if you will. Then you go to Matthew 28, 19 and, and, and 20. He, he gives the disciples and then us, all that follow, the, uh, the mission to accomplish that, that task. He, he says, go into all the world and, and make disciples. Um, baptize them or gather them with, with other believers. I mean, baptism is a public testimony, but it's, but it's part of, of, of bringing people into, into a, a local church and a fellowship. And then he says, teach them all things. Whatsoever I've commanded you, equip them. Go, gather them together, and then equip them. And so Jesus says, I will build my church. And, and then he gives the commission of how that's going to happen. You're going to go. And you're, you're gonna, you're gonna preach the gospel. Disciples are gonna be made. They're gonna be gathered together in local assemblies. And then you're gonna equip them in those assemblies. And then that process is gonna continue until, until I come. And that's exactly what, what the disciples did and the others that followed them. And then after the gospel's in, you see the book of Acts. You know, the, the, the shows the amazing process. What happens after Jesus ascends into heaven? You remember the disciples even asking the question. I mean, is it the kingdom time now? Are you going to establish your kingdom now? And Jesus says it's not for you to worry about the times or the seasons when the kingdom's coming. But what, what have I commanded you to do? And he brings them back to the commission. Go be witnesses of me. And he says, Jerusalem and Judea, Samaria, the uttermost parts of, of the earth. And then you see the book of Acts happening. The Spirit comes and empowers them at Pentecost. And, and then Peter proclaims the great sermon. And, and people are being added to the church daily. And what are they doing? They're gathering together in, uh, in, in houses and committing themselves to the apostles' doctrine and the breaking of bread. And, and then, and then they, they're, they're scattered to, to go do more. It's an amazing thing to behold. Um, the apostles and the prophets in the book of Acts were declaring Jesus as the Christ, and, and God was adding to the church daily. And when the book of Acts ends, uh, it, it, it doesn't end with a, with a the end. Have you seen those, those silly Geico commercials? The, ones that, the one that my sons and I laugh at all the time is, is it looks like the Old West. And, and there's the guy, and, and she says, you know, Jesse, don't go, don't go. And he says something about, you know, a man's got to go, he's just got to go, or something like that. And he rides off, and then you see the end, and then he, you know, he hits the, the, the end and falls to the ground. And she's looking like, and you're going, oh, okay, it's another Geico commercial. Well, the, the, the book of Acts didn't end that way. I mean, it didn't say the end. Okay, this is what happened. Jesus ascended into heaven. The, the gospel is spread everywhere, and everybody that's going to be saved has been saved, and all the churches planted, that are going to be planted, are planted, and the end. That's not how. It's, it's still in process. It's still going on. And it's still going on even as we're here, we're here this morning. And after the book of Acts, you have all of the epistles. The rest of the New Testament gives the instructions about how the church will continue to grow until... Christ returns for, for His bride. That's the big picture. And yet if you, you see the big picture that it's still going on, 
Christ is building His church, and, and His disciples are going, and they're gathering, and they're equipping. And as that is happening, the, the process continues until Jesus comes. But you see that big picture, and then there, there's certain places where you can zoom in. And if you zoom into Ephesians 4, which we're not going to this morning, but just to, just to, to build up to our, to our text, if you zoom into Ephesians 4, you see this specific outline how God has set up His church for this continual growth. Okay, Jesus says, I will build my church. Disciples are going to proclaim the gospel. They're going to go. They're going to, they're going to gather people. They're going to grow people. How does that happen? What does that look like? Zoom into Ephesians 4 and you, and you will get some, some very explicit details. He says, Jesus says He gave gifts to His church. And some were apostles and some were prophets and some were evangelists and some were pastors and teachers and he says there not only will he build his church, but, but he's given gifts to equip it. And as the church is equipped, then it's equipped to grow itself. And, and he gives these positions or these people. And, and you can go earlier in the book of Ephesians and see the apostles and the prophets laid the foundation. Before the New Testament was done, you had apostles going around who saw the risen Christ, who had sign gifts. You had prophets receiving revelation from the Lord. And they were saying, the Christ has come. He's here, and it was Jesus of Nazareth, and, and He died, and He was buried, and He rose from the dead, and there's salvation in His name, and no other. Repent and believe. And, and there, were, there were these amazing things happening. And Jesus specifically proclaimed that, that the apostles and the prophets would lay the foundation. They would be the transitional figures between the ministry of Christ and our ministry today. But who takes over after the apostles and the prophets? Well, Jesus says, or specifically under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, by the pen of the Apostle Paul in Ephesians 4, and he gave some evangelists and pastors and teachers. Those who would take over after the New Testament is complete, after the foundation is laid, are those who will still go and proclaim the gospel in places where it hasn't been proclaimed. Those are the evangelists. We also uh, include missionaries in that category. And then you'd have pastors and teachers that would come and, and their task is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry so that the church could edify itself and the church could build itself up with the proper, with the proper equipping. It's a beautiful design. But here's the question for us this morning, or the reminder. If Christ builds His church... It, it, did I quote Matthew correctly when Jesus said, I will build my church? Did Jesus say that? Yes, Jesus said that, right? And you know the Great Commission, that you're to go and make disciples. And you know that we're to baptize them, or we're to gather them in local assemblies. That's nothing new. And you know that we're to teach them all things. We're to equip them with Christ's Word, to obey His Word, and know what His Word says, and... If Christ builds His church and He's given us that commission and He grows it through this process, I've told you nothing new from Ephesians 4, here's the question, where do these equippers come from? Where do these evangelist missionaries come from? Where do these pastors and teachers come from? Do they, do they fall out of the sky? You know, does, do they come to us from the, from the outside? Do they, do they appear like, uh, uh, like, like God did in the Old Testament when He shows up as the, as the angel of the Lord? 
I mean, Jesus called and equipped His disciples Himself. He walked around the shores of Galilee and He saw Peter fishing. And He says, you're doing a really good job of that. Well, actually, He wasn't doing a very good job of that, was He? Jesus showed him how He could actually accomplish things in Christ's power. And He says... Drop these nets and follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. Jesus did that with the other disciples. He called and equipped his own disciples. They walked with him for three years in ministry. He poured into them, fumbling, bumbling disciples, just as we are today. But where do church leaders come from today? I mean, of course, the Spirit of God places uh, in, in individuals specific gifts, the gift of teaching. You have to be apt to teach. You have to be able to teach if, you are, if you're going to, to be a, a, a pastor or a teacher or, or, or a missionary, overseer in, in a church. Of course, the Holy Spirit gives us spiritual gifts to be used. And, 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 and of course, he, he calls in some, some specific way. I mean, I could give you the story of how God confirmed in my heart that he, was, that he was calling me to preach the gospel. And so there's a subjective... There's a subjective part, but but where do those church leaders come from? Church. That's exactly right, the church. So who identifies them now? Who prepares them? Who trains them? Who sends them? Who has the responsibility to raise them up so they can be sent by God to the nations and prepare His church to go and grow until He comes? You do. You do. Timberlake Baptist Church does and your current pastors and deacons and other church leaders. Let me show you that in 2 Timothy chapter 1. 2 Timothy chapter 1. Beginning in verse 8, this is the last letter the Apostle Paul wrote to Timothy. And he says, Therefore do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, for the gospel, according to the power of God, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling. Not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which he has given to us in Christ Jesus before time began, but has now been revealed by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ, who has abolished death, and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel, to which I was appointed a preacher, an apostle, and a teacher of the Gentiles. For this reason, I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed, for I know in whom I have believed, and I am persuaded that he is able to keep what I have committed to him until that day. Now, that's Paul's introduction and our introduction now Paul's going to move into some specific commands to Timothy. And you say, how does that apply to me? Because Timothy is the pastor, the elder of a local church in Ephesus. Those of you who went on the TCS trip, Ephesus is coming back to your mind this very moment. That's where Timothy was when Paul writes these words to him. And he tells Timothy that training and preparing the future leaders that God will use to, to build His church and prepare it for growth is not just your responsibility, Timothy, but it is the church at Ephesus' responsibility. 
He will say it's the responsibility of the church and its current elders to lead this process. And he gives the the overseers of the church a specific obligation, and 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 that is to be deliberate about about training. And I think when you put all of this together, you see we lead people to Christ, we connect them with the church, we equip them within the church, and God will call some to future ministry and missions, and then we send those that that do. Or, to say it in a way that you've probably heard, ad nauseum, we're to be a healthy church, we're to make and mature disciples, we're to train those future leaders, and then we are to send Great Commission workers. That's where all of that comes from. And there are three reasons that as a church we must train people for ministry. And the first one is because there's a specific content. It's found in verse 13 and 14. There is a specific content. Look at verse 13. Hold fast the pattern of sound words which you have heard from me in faith and love, which are in Christ Jesus. Paul begins with retain the standard of sound words or hold the outline of healthy teaching. The reason that we must train, the reason that we must be involved in what we're involved in is because there is already an outline of healthy teaching. There is already a pattern of sound words that's transcendent. You don't, you don't have to sit there and contemplate your navel or, or read the latest book to try to figure out what Christ has, has, has given in order to build His church. It's right here in the Bible. And it's good in 33 A.D. and it's good in 2015 A.D. And it will continue to be good until Jesus returns. Amen? It's right here in the book. You don't have... Of course, culture changes. uh, Abilities change. Light bulbs come. Magnification of voices come. Computers are here. And you don't shun any of those things. but, but, But all those are tools. And the way that Christ will build His church is is through the gospel. Faith comes by hearing, hearing the word of Christ, and the church will be sanctified, will be set apart by His word. John 17, your word is is truth. And the the pattern, the word pattern, hold fast the pattern, hold fast the the tupas, the type of of sound words. You know the word type. The Passover lamb was a type of Christ. You see, you see this pattern of this shadow of Jesus in the Passover lamb. He was the Passover lamb. Just as the, as the Passover lamb was, was given as a context and a shadow so people could understand who Jesus was and what he came to do and the ministry that he came to fulfill, Paul is saying the words that, that you have already heard from me, what I've already given you, what God has already given, that, that is exactly the, the pattern of, of the words that, that, you should, that you should pass on. There's specific content. And we know that. We know that truth at Timberlake. We don't want to add or take away from God's Word. We tremble at the idea of adding or taking away from, from God's Word. We know that those who are going to teach, the future leaders of the church, whether that's here or, or abroad, have to stick to the Word, preach the Word. Paul says to Timothy, training 
that I'm going to command you to do is like dot to dot. Do you remember as a kid those little dot to dot pictures? I mean, you could, you could, some of them you could stand back and, and see, okay, man, that's just really easy. That's for like a, that's like a two year old. That was my speed. And then there's others that, you know, there's like a thousand points there. And, and they would try to trick you where you couldn't stand back and look at it ahead of time. He's saying this pattern of sound words is like a dot to dot. And it's not, it's like the two year old version, okay? I mean, there are clearly things in the Bible that are difficult. Difficult to hear, difficult to understand, but, but, but understanding the deity of Christ, the authority of Scripture, the, the importance of the local church, the Great Commission, all those things that we're talking about, it is not. It was already drawn for, for Timothy. It's already been drawn from the Lord. And he says, hold fast the standard already given of this healthy teaching. You know that what is taught is as important as the task of teaching, don't you? You know that. There's being and and doing. It's not just sending teachers. It's sending teachers that teach the right thing and teach the the truth. That's what the word sound means, the pattern, the type, the the dot-to-dot of sound words, uh, of, of healthy in quality, words that... That are healthy in quality are words that are that are faithful and accurate to, to to the Bible. Yeah, you could go up on a soapbox and 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 talk about. It just seems in our day people are much more concerned about getting people to go along with them than where they're taking them. Doesn't matter where we're going. Just come on, let's build a crowd. Let's let's go along. Let's get excited about about something. Well, it's good to get people excited about something, but if you're, you're leading them to the wrong destination, that, that's not a really good thing, is it? Jesus did the opposite. He didn't just round up any guy who would follow him. He called 12 specific men. He poured his life in it. They were imperfect. Well, I mean, all the way up to the very end of Peter's life, he's denying the Lord. Jesus restores him before he ascends into heaven. I mean, the very last thing that's said in the, in the last gospel, the gospel of John in the 21st chapter, is the restoration of Peter. These aren't perfect people. But he put the hard stuff up front. And then he walked with them through the hard stuff. Drop your nets and follow me. That's how he called Peter. Leave your job and all you know and become my disciple. He said to other people who wanted to follow him, if any man will not lose his life, he, he cannot be my disciple. That's a great way to recruit, isn't it? Follow You want to follow me? Leave everything. Die. Take up my cross. And yet, when you hear the call of Christ, you're willing to do that, aren't you? Because you know He's worth it. It matters what you believe. So teaching matters. And if teaching matters, then, then, then what men are taught matters. And, and that's exactly where Paul starts here. Hold fast the pattern of sound words which you've heard from me, Timothy, in faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. That good thing which was committed to you. This is not something he's making up. I mean, Paul is emphasizing, Timothy, this is not yours. This is God's. And you've had it committed unto you. Keep by the Holy Spirit who dwells in us. So there's specific content. We also must train because there's the opposite. There's false teaching. Look at verse 15. Paul goes on to say this, you know, that all those in Asia have turned away from me, among whom are 
by Jealous and Hermogenes. The Lord grant mercy to the house of Onesiphorus, for he oft refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chain. Paul says, retain the standard of sound words that's consistent with the faith because in that truth there's a treasure deposited in your hands in verse 14. That good thing which was, which was deposited unto you. Guard and treasure and it's been entrusted to you. Because it's possible not to do that. Notice what he says in verse 15. This you know, that all those in Asia have turned away from me. That means they were turned toward him at one point. They've defected from the doctrines. They went in a different direction. It's not that these men that Paul's talking about here, and he specifically names to, these aren't people that didn't know the gospel, that didn't know what Paul taught. At one point, they were turned toward it. And, and now they've forsaken not just Paul, but they've forsaken that that precious treasure that was being committed to Timothy. And you're not told a whole lot about, about these people. You're told the names of two. But you're told they were ashamed of the gospel. They were unable to stand with Paul. And that's the very thing that Paul doesn't want Timothy to do. We have the greatest treasure ever deposited in the trust of, of man. And that's the gospel of Jesus Christ. You treat it with great care. And you give a diligent defense. And the church is the repository of that truth, isn't it? First Timothy 3.15, the first letter that Paul wrote. If I'm delayed, I write so that you may know how you ought to conduct yourself in the household of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of truth. It's the repository. It, it holds up the truth. You think the world is going to hold up the truth of God in our culture today? So who's going to hold it up? The church is where you're going to find the truth. You're not going to find the truth on turn on CNN. You're going to find the truth in the church. But you're only going to find the truth in the church if the people that are standing behind the pulpit have that repository and those sound words that's been committed to them. And it's not going to be behind the pulpit if it, unless it's been committed to them. Where a church takes that seriously and does it just like we do here. You think it's hard now? You give 20 years from now and you're gonna, we're gonna find out how hard it, how hard it truly is to do gospel ministry in the United States of America. And that's exactly what the preacher preached at, at the graduation last Sunday. Guard the treasure. It's the same word that's used in Luke 2.8, where the shepherds were guarding their flock. They're watching over their flock by night. Watch over this, these, this pattern of sound words, this doctrine. Watch over it just like a shepherd would his little sheep. Pay attention to what wanders off. It goes outside of the, the pattern. It's the same word used in Acts 12.4 of a soldier guarding prisoners. And a soldier guarding prisoners did so with his very life. Do you remember when there was the jailhouse revival? The earthquake that took place? What was the guard getting ready to do? What did, what, did, what did Paul have to say to him? Don't kill yourself. Why was he going to kill himself? Because he'd forsaken his duties and responsibilities of, of guarding the prisoners. He says, treat the truth in that, that same way. The church has been entrusted with the gospel. 
And what this text reminds me, and I think should remind us in this context, we have never had a problem, at least as far as I know, going all the way back to the alley days, we've, we've never had a problem with being willing to send people. Praise God. I mean, we're in the building. The lights are lit up on the backboard there. We, we, we send. Praise God we send people. We don't have a problem sending people. Now, we might have a problem getting people willing to go at times because it's difficult, but we send people. And now we take it a step beyond that. And we remind ourselves it's not just about sending people out. It's not just about the person. We send truth through that person. Right? You send truth through people. You have to have a willing vessel. But that vessel carries something. And what's the transformative power that they carry? It's the truth that's in that vessel. We hold fast the pattern without altering it. And we're to pass it on carefully because it can be forsaken and perverted, just like here are these in Asia that have turned away from, from Paul. But how do you guard that? How do you do that? If there's, a, if there's an obligation to be delivered about the content and because of false teaching, how do you guard what's been entrusted? How do you preserve it? How do you deliberately, intentionally, and carefully pass it on? And that's the third point. There's a command to train. Look at chapter 2. We read this. You therefore, my son, verse 1, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus and the things that you have heard from me among many witnesses. Here's the command. Commit. Commit these truths, these things that you've heard, what he's already defined as, as a pattern of sound words, what he's already defined as a treasure that he's to guard. You're, commit, you're to commit these to faithful men who will then be able to do the exact same thing and replicate. And then he talks about being a soldier. And he talks about being a farmer. Church, we're commanded here by Christ to take these kinds of men and others whom Christ has called and equip them. Because God commands us to do that. And here's the reminder. Timothy, don't fall away. Be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And then commit what is what you've held fast and what you've guarded to others. All Christians are to be disciples. All are to be in some form of ministry. All have a spiritual gift. But there are those that God will, will call to be equippers. That will go outside of the church or the field, to the field and lead the church or prepare others for this task. And don't miss the fact that Paul is talking to Timothy as a pastor of a local church. Don't over-spiritualize what is truly spiritual, which is this is the inscripturated, God-breathed text. And that Paul is apostle, Paul. And that Timothy, we hear his name over and over and over. Bring it down to where there's rubber on the tires, and hear Paul, Timothy's mentor, telling him as a pastor of a single local congregation in Ephesus, do this. Train people for ministry. Train for specific content. Train because there's false teaching. Do it because God has commanded you, and these are the ones that, that you're to confirm and that you are to, to look for. Think about this. 
The Apostle Paul could have said, Timothy, you got some really good guys over there in Ephesus? I've been there. I've seen them. They'd be great. Here's what you do. Take up an offering from the local congregation in Ephesus and send them to Jerusalem so they can be trained by the, by the real teachers that are there. That's not what he says, is it? He says, you do it at Ephesus with the body of Ephesus and you commit a specific body of truth to them. Train them within that, that local church. There's this particular content. The things that you've heard from me. That apostolic doctrine. It's in the presence of many witnesses. This is orthodox truth. It's not Paul's private interpretation. It's what was open to all and proclaimed to all. It wasn't his vision or his plan or but proven, tested, approved, affirmed a doctrine that was widely known as what Christians believed. There's particular content. There's a specific group of people here. Commit these to faithful men, men who have marks of faithfulness. Faithful in truth, in life, in character. Not perfect, but those who get the treasure and how important it is. And then there's a, there's a definite process you're to pass it on so they'll be able to teach others. You replicate approved and tested doctrine in the presence of many witnesses. There's the model. We must do it. There's the content, the body of truth. There's the warnings of what will happen if we don't do it because there's false teachings that will arise. There's the command in the context. The church trains others that God is calling into the ministry, and here's the exciting part. That's exactly what you're doing. It's exactly what you're doing as a congregation. We have about 40 missionaries that we're holding up and resourcing right now. They're out on the field. There's been seven men already graduated from this campus, not any of the others, but this campus. Seven people have graduated. You saw four and heard from four this morning. You have five others that are not part of the seminary that, that are headed out. Four ladies and, and, a, and a man into cross-cultural work. All of who sought the direction from, from their pastors and missions committee and others here. Jana to Cooter to Tina Hoffman to Stephanie to Jacqueline, both going to Asia to Jeremy that we're going to pray over afterwards. There's been over 22 people that have gone through a ministry internship here since it was started in 2008. Eight different cohorts of people trying to confirm and trying to, to pour into a, a smaller scale, five months. Many of the men that, that stood before you this morning and gave testimony uh, in, uh, in, the, in the Q&A this morning started in the internship and then wanted, wanted more. I'd bore you to go through the details of the training centers in Nepal and Burundi and other places that are responsible for over 250 churches that Timberlake specifically is responsible to train the pastors and the teachers and the evangelists that goes out, that go out from, from those, those places. We're sponsoring short-term trips and over and over and over. Don't forget the ten other men that are, that are continuing their training in, in seminary right now. 
um, beyond these that have graduated, new ones that are coming in the fall and the ones that that are still in, in process that will stand before you at, at some point and, and you'll give testimony. Um, it's not time to sit back and wait or sleep. It's time to act because of Christ and His kingdom. And surely, if that doesn't motivate you, just look at our culture and that will clearly motivate you. Pray God will use... Timberlake Baptist Church to reach people for Christ, to build His church, and to send preachers and missionaries to spread the gospel to the uttermost parts of the earth. And we'll continue to do that over and 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 over until Jesus comes while we're doing that over and over and over. Till when the Master comes, He has to say, Stop! It's enough! It's over! It's the end! You hear the trumpet! But we're still doing it and doing it and doing it. This thing hasn't worked since I started. It says 143, so it doesn't matter if I knock it off. we got to do it. And we're doing it. And we're celebrating it this morning. We really are. And we praise God for it. And this is not just about a room down at the end of the hall or or me or anybody else. Um, There are... There are hundreds of people in this congregation that can give testimony of interacting and counseling and training these these men. And I've said nothing about the real power behind them, which is their spouses. You've heard the statement, you can't fight the devil, the deacons, and the darling at home. Have you heard that, you older folks? You can't. Yeah, that is funny, Corky. I agree. There's countless testings, countless fiery darts, countless hours of suffering, countless moments of pouring out for Christ's church, countless reminders that it's a stewardship, countless hours of preaching and teaching, You focus on the the goal of the maturity of every believer till your eyes are crossed and you know it's all accomplished by God's God's power. And yet as difficult as that is and as hard as it is, there is joy unspeakable and full of glory to end up one day standing before the Master with all of your fumbling and bumbling efforts and to hear Him say, Well done. Well done, Timberlake Baptist Church. Well done. Well done, Brian. Well done, men. And we long and work until we hear him say those words. Let me pray for us.